0: Welcome. This is Victoria Schneps, and I am the publisher of Schneps Media, which incorporates uh, 70 media outlets and AM New York in New York City, Long Island, and Westchester. And you're about to hear a power woman, and she is a power. Dimple Willibus is my guest today, and Dimple was just recently honored as our Caribbean Life Impact Award winner, and we have met and I fell in love and found her to be a wonderfully extraordinary woman that certainly earns the title of a power woman as well. Welcome, Dimple. How are you today? First of all, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Well, I know you're doing great, and (laughs) I know that you have uh, many interesting things you'll share with us about a twist in your personal career. Absolutely. Uh, So, you know, with your great success on many different levels, who inspired you growing up that had an impact on your life?
1: My parents definitely did. My dad has always been my role model. You know, we grew up in a very impoverished community in Guyana, in Lodge, and I've always looked at my dad. I'm one of five kids, and my dad was the breadwinner. My mom was the homemaker. And what position
0: were you in the family?
1: Number five. You were the baby? <laughs> I'm the baby. Oh, I'm the baby, too. Welcome <laughs> <Yes>. to babyhood. <laughs> yes. My siblings always tease me and said, listen, you have life good because you were the spoiled one, if you will. And My mom usually smiles. She never comments. But I've always looked at my mom as well because she had such strength, even though she, we were all, it was five of us, we gave her hell to some degree as kids. She still her, always had a smile, always had an open arm, not only for us, but every person in the community, everybody's else's, everybody else, children, families, everything else. She was always willing and, and ready to help in everywhere in every everywhere. And for us as children, we watched that and I always wanted to mirror the way she had such a big heart and it was so contagious because her smile and her attitude towards life she always had a positive outlook regardless of what happened in the community and my dad in the other piece always believing in giving back to his community So those two were two great ambassadors and great role models for me growing up.
0: You know, it's interesting how I I do believe it's in your DNA that you have a personality of a positive thinking person. And I believe that that does hold you in great stead into life. And then how did you make your journey to New York?
1: My parents came here, immigrated uh, about 20, 25 years ago. But prior to that, I would visit the USA to film and record for my TV show that I had back in Guyana, which was a pioneer program that actually, you know, started in Guyana. So I came here and I visited the Miami Carnival and the uh, West Indian Parade. So those are some of the things I did, just visiting as, you know, just coming. But when my parents came here, I really never wanted to come here to live because I had such a good life back in Guyana. And I didn't really want to have changes yet to my life, but... My parents were like, listen, they made me an ultimatum. You have to come because everybody's going. You need to move on to another phase in your life. And I was like, well. How
0: old were you then?
1: I was about 26 when I first came here. Okay, so you really
0: were already an adult. Yeah, I was an adult. But But your mom and dad tell you what to do. You still listen. I love it. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So I was last, and I was the only one technically, you know, back in Guyana. And they were like, listen, you're going to be the only one there. So I wanted to be where my family was. And even though I'm an adult, you know, middle-aged adult in my 40s, if you will, Uh, you know, I still look at my parents and listen to their advice, especially my mom.
0: Well, you know, it's uh, interesting how influential that can be now that you have your own life to live. And I heard, you know, you just shared with us about this broadcasting part of your life. Tell us a little more. How did you bring it to New York?
1: So Rhythm Nation was birthed in Guyana by the brain. It was a brainchild of Nigel Blackman. And he was the influence behind it because he came here to the U.S., saw how powerful hip-hop and R&B music was, and it was a pathway for a lot of uh, young African-Americans or blacks, if you will, who had a message of, you know, how they felt in a way to kind of get out of poverty and so on and so forth. So he wanted to share that message in Guyana. At that time, Guyanese were only listening to reggae and soca music, so he wanted to introduce something different so what he did, because of the racial, you know, disparities and and uh, separation in Guyana, he wanted to bring the people together through music, and I also share that vision because my feeling is that if we sit and listen to a Bob Marley mu- you know song, a lot of people would be just enjoying the music, singing the lyrics, and it doesn't matter what race they are, it doesn't matter what culture they're from, because I personally believe music really unite people. So Nigel Blackman saw that vision from a very young age and a very long time, and because I was influenced of his dad owning the network, he had the power to, you know, introduce this, this pilot, this pilot program. So he hired me because I'm Indian, and, you know, we try to bring the, the, the races together, and the first program we did, I really didn't even know how to sing some of the songs out because I was not familiar with hip-hop music or rap music. So you were the music. curator.
0: You were curating it to put together a show.
1: Right. So so he had a staff kind of helping me through. I'm standing in a pool trying to look, you know, cute in a swimsuit, and then I'm trying to call the song. out. So songs was this out. actually
0: a TV show? Yeah, it was a television show. Okay. So the big p- the
1: p- <laughs> was very important. <laughs> yes, the appearance was important. I was 18 years old at the time. And this was back in the early 90s. So I was standing in the pool trying to do like 20 takes, freezing after a while, looking like a prune with my fingers and everything. And then we finally got it. The program was aired once a week. And when the first program was aired, it was the biggest thing that ever hit Guyana. We did not anticipate the effects of it. There were two different effects. One, the positive from the youth and the negative from the parents. Because parents were saying that the program made the kids... Did not do their homework. They were watching the program. So what happened after the first few months? We could not only have one program a week. We started having the program every single night, and the program went live. And that was you every single night. Every night live. So it became a job. And hope they paid you well. Oh, it, it millions of dollars. You know, over a period of time, the program grew so big, it was influential in the sense of politicians influential in terms of international in, you know, recognition. I could travel literally to the UK, to Canada, any part of the world, even Africa, and people would recognize the program. The program, people actually took copies of the program because this was back in the age where the internet wasn't popular, and we were not so cognizant on actually recording the program, which was bad, because those days were the big VHS cassettes, and people actually recorded it and had it broadcast here in the U.S. Right, but
0: fast forward, fast forward... Here you are in New York, and you are doing something extraordinary. Share with our listeners what you're doing. Well, what I'm doing, I think, is a natural
1: progression. I think that uh, when you're involved in a community, there are two things you can do. If you see something going wrong or not in in the way you'd like it to go, you can actually do two things. One, you can get up and make changes, or you can sit and confirm. I am not one of those people who like to confirm if I see there's a challenge, especially if it depends on my children's future and, you know, the youth
0: our youth future. Was there something that you saw particular to propel you to want to run now for city council?
1: Absolutely. So 10 years ago, when I decided to actually run, my children were too young. And as a mother and a wife, I wanted to make sure my children were at the right age. So when I go out there, I can actually get put 110% into what, I was, what I'm going to be doing. So this, you've run before. No, I've never ran before. I ran in different capacity. I was the president of the Community Education Council. I am Brooklyn, the, was the Brooklyn Borough President, Eric Adams, appointee. I was, you know, under PTA and,
0: and I was under Mayor de Blasio's Education Task Force. Well, I can tell you that my friend was a president of PTA by the name of Claire Shulman, and she rose to become the best Borough President of Queens that they ever had with more shovels in the ground and projects. So, being a PTA president, you'd be surprised at what the dynamics are to bring it now. To the next level of a whole community. Absolutely. What communities are you going to be re- looking to represent in the City Council?
1: So our City Council district is District 46, and it covers Bergen Beach, Canarsie, Flatlands, Georgetown, Garrison Beach, Mill Basin, Mill
0: Island, Marine Park, and Sheepset Bay. So it's a very big and very diverse community. Well, I think that's what makes it so special. And I think, you know, being who you are with a diverse background you have, you're bringing something unique, but what would be your platform? So my platform really is is being
1: that great role model. Like I said, I have two daughters, and there's not a lot of room for women in, in society, especially in city council. There are 51 seats, and out of that 51 seats, there are only 12 women in those seats. And we, the women, we take up so much more in terms of population. And if you're not at a the table, then you're on the menu, like they say. So I really wanted to be at the table to make a, make decisions to be there for, for my children, for our youth in general, and our community. So I want to be that voice. I want to be that person when young women and young girls look at me, they must say, I want to be like her. She actually stood up for women. She's actually not just sitting at home cooking and cleaning. She actually has a vision. She want to be somewhere. She want to do something. It Whether it's in Washington, D.C., whether it's in the Assembly, whether it's in City Council, we have a place there too because she's
0: there and I could do it too. What a wonderful opportunity. I was never... Uh, knowledgeable about the small number of women on the city council. Yes. That is really something that, you know, the glass ceiling was so low that I'm glad that you're putting, you're breaking through to that glass ceiling to look to run. And in 2021, there will be a total turnover. How many seats will be available? Well, in Brooklyn, in, to be specific,
1: in Brooklyn, there are 12 out of 16 seats that will be vacated or term limited out. So that's a staggering number.
0: And so the areas that you represent, is that also part of the turnover? Is there yes. term limited out who represents that area now?
1: Yes. So the person, the incumbent, he is he's gonna be term limited, but also he's retiring.
0: Ah. Yes. So it's great opportunity on many levels.
1: Absolutely. It's an open
0: seat. It's an open seat. So I think an open seat is somebody who's gotta work hard and it sounds like you've already broken through and breaking out. Absolutely. Hard.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to the community support and people like yourself who are like-minded and strong, you know, empowered women because that's what we need.
0: So um, I know that in the city council races, you have your money matched. Yes. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the need of fundraising to be successful in a campaign.
1: Well, this time around, it's one to eight. So if Explain somebody that gives to people $10, what one to eight means. So what it means is that if somebody gives $10, it's matched eight times, so that would be $90. So if somebody gives me $10, it's matched, and it's $90 instead of $10. But however, in the city council, how it works, you have to have 75 people from your actual district to donate. But additionally, anybody from New York City's uh, money will be matched.
0: So, in other words,, uh, you have to get the word out that you're running and that you need people to donate
1: absolutely. Last night, we had a really successful official launch of the campaign, and the room was, you know ignited with the strength of a lot of leaders, religious leaders, strong business people. We had a lot of women in the room talking about mental health, from mental health to youth issues to, you know, higher education to, you know, domestic violence. There are a lot of big advocates that are in the room waiting to hear, you know, how best we can propel this campaign in a way that women can have a voice and women can have a space where they can feel empowered.
0: So will you have a, well, I what I call a kind of a vision of a platform of particular issues that you're going to look to make your um, Campaign platform?
1: Oh, absolutely. On the website, we outline so many different pieces. Tell us the website
0: so people can go to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. It says www.dimplewillibus.com. All right, slow down and say it again so people can get it clearly. So it's www.dimplewillibus.com, and that's Dimple, D I M P L E, and my last name, Willibus, which is Will, W I L L, A is an apple, B U S
0: bus, Willibus. Well, that's a good name that people should not forget. It's a, you <laughs> yes. know who could remember, who could ever forget Dimple. I love that name, and Thank I you. think it's something we'll remember. So, talk to me a little bit about what advice you would give other women to be as successful as you are. Are there things that you could recommend that could help other women be on the road to success?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, me being initially starting, well, starting out from a level whereby I didn't have like role models who were, who had a higher education, I was the first person in my family who had, who has a master's degree. My siblings, my sisters never graduated from high school. So first of all, I would always encourage women to make sure you have a quality education and a sound education, because to me, education equals, you know, power, education equals knowledge, education equals, you know, so many different pieces. So first and foremost, you know, be empowered through education, be involved, be civically involved in your community, whether it be the community boards, whether it be the civic associations. Those are small free steps that you can get engaged and involved in your community, and then take it from there because there are so many powerful people who are part of those very free organizations that, that you have a right to be a part of, and that's where you can actually hear your voice and be heard. So if you're out there and you're not sure as to how to, you know, what path to choose or what career choice, Always first of all, get involved in your community. When you get involved in your community, sometimes it helps you to propel what direction you want to go in.
0: Well, I think that's a brilliant uh, suggestion because I do believe, as a former teacher myself, that education is the road to success, and you cl- clearly laid that out. So I want to thank you so much, Dimple Willibus, candidate. For City Council and winner of the Caribbean Life Impact Award. I'm so delighted. This is Victoria Schnepp signing off and wishing you all a wonderful holiday. And I want to say thank you for being here with me. This is Victoria Schnepps, Power Women and publisher of Schnepps Media and AM New York. My pleasure. All the best.
1: Thank you. Good luck. Thank you.